scripture. You know, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 tells us we're to be cheerful givers. And everybody always thinks the cheerful givers is monetarily. Mm. But I think cheerful givers is giving up your time, giving up your home, giving up the things that God's given you. And I think that's important to do that. And people know whether you're cheerfully giving and sharing yourself or you're, you know, hoarding yourself. Well, welcome to another edition of Engaging the Generations, a podcast platform for talking about how we cultivate intergenerational relationships at home and church and in our communities. I'm Kevin Harper, your host. And I'm Sarah Greenstreet, your co-host of Engaging the Generations. So Sarah, we had a great conversation with Jerry and Brenda uh, Vincent last time about the impact a home can have upon international exchange students. But I'm really eager to share the rest of our conversation with our listeners about making your home a welcoming place where younger generations really want to hang out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen in a lot of places, not just with those their own age, but with the older adults in the home as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's so important to be able to just create a welcoming environment that people actually want to spend time in. Um, So I'm really excited to hear and share um, Jerry and Brenda's approach. So let's jump into the conversation when you ask them about this specific part of their family journey. Having stayed in your home, I also know that you not only had exchange students there, but um, at least when the kids were around or when they'd come home from school, there was a constant flow of young bodies flowing in and out of, out of your home. And um, the, I, I have to, I have, as I observed it, I have to see and, and, and believe that this was not something that just happened by accident, but there was some intentionality behind this. So tell us a little bit about how you came to the place where your home became such an open door to young people in the community coming in and out. In fact, I, I don't think I ever saw them knock on the door. They just walked in. They don't. And it's funny. Some of Lauren's friends were uh, a little younger than her. And when Mm -hmm. she went off to college, we would come home and find the kids playing the piano in our house. They knew the code. If it was locked, they'd come in. They'd just sit and put on TV, eat our food, play our pianos. It's still happening, Calvin. Not as much, but it does. How did that come to be that kind of open door welcome? to uh, other students? Well, I think I think part of it, and I'm being honest here, I think part of it is Brenda has such a heart of hospitality and wanting to reach out to others. And she, and it's very infectious. I know I feel that way, more so just being around her. And I really saw that um, having our home is just being open to those people, bringing them in. And you have to really see it as, it's a ministry, you know, that's what we just see this as a ministry. Now, one thing is it's hard because it's like people like, oh, you open up your home. How much food do you buy? How much you do they, you know, it's like stuff like that. Say there is a cost to it, you know, but it's, but there's so much joy that comes from it also. And, um, and really is the, you know, what are you looking after the physical, the spiritual, the well-being of, you know, kids who are coming into home? And some of these kids, you know, one of the kids um, in high school, they're, their mom died um, during COVID, and so that was very difficult. Uh, and so she needed like a home, you know, basically to come to. So she was in a lot. And then other people just said, I remember one of the other kids said, you know, I feel so welcome in your home. You guys always welcome mm-hmm. us. 
And uh, that's so going yeah. back quite a few years, Jerry's always been an amazing dad. He just prioritized his family next to God, his marriage, his kids have always been his priority. And I think what changed and maybe expanded it so much was the fact that I I always wanted a lot of kids and enjoyed having them around. And it got to the point we would um, coin faces of like, today's family day. This is our day. We're yes. going to do something just our family. Yes. Well, as the kids got older, we had to tweak that a little bit so they wouldn't resent it. Sometimes we'd have family days, which was just the four of us. But then, you know, I said to Jerry, you know, if you start expanding our circle with the kids, instead of every chance they have and wanting to run off, they're going to want to invite their friends in. So that became a little bit more of our focus of saying, great, we'll do this, just the four of us, but why don't you invite your friends to come? So the kids weren't as you know, thinking, hey, I just want to run off. They they were always saying, hey, let's go to, you know, let's go to uh, the Vincent's house. It's, they're going to make it fun for us. I remember when he, he'd be working, the kids would uh, be in the house and they'd say things like, when's Mr. Vincent coming home? They were little because they said, we can't wait for him to play outside chase. We called it. Uh, what was Back it? to the base tag. Back to the base tag. And they couldn't wait for him to come home. He'd literally be coming home with his briefcase in hand. And he's like, okay, let me just go get changed. That was inconvenient. You know, he was just coming home and he's got a, a whole yard full of kids saying, I can't wait for daddy to come home. You know, he, they were all excited because they knew when he showed up, gave me a kiss, ran upstairs to get changed. They mattered to him. They, he was willing to be inconvenienced. Because they, you know, he mustered that energy and put his all on those kids. And they loved that energy and they loved feeling important. And whether it was me finding their favorite foods, their favorite meals and say, Caleb, I'm making your, you know, macaroni and cheese. Or I've got your stuff for Avalanche cookies on hand. You know, those little small touches that made them say, I noticed I'm important here. So I, I think that just kind of grew. It just was this feeling. We had to laugh. Our younger daughter came home with, what, 14 kids? We had kids, young adults. They're 19. And they were from California, Colorado, South Carolina, Texas. She brought them all in. They couldn't wait to meet us because they've heard about us, I guess. We had so many kids here and had an unbelievable food bill. Um, but now they're saying, when are your parents coming down to college? We want to see them again several months later. So we're still trying to build those relationships. But more importantly than that, once you have that place where they feel warm and welcome, you start speaking truth. Like, what is God doing in your lives? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? How is God working? We're praying over them the night before they go to California to college and Virginia and all over the world, they're seeing our hearts going with them to Greece. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we're building a place where they feel loved and by the family of God and not just us. Yeah. And, you know, just it, scripturally, you know, Second Corinthians 9, 7 tells us we're to be cheerful givers. And everybody always thinks the cheerful givers is monetarily. Mm -hmm. But I think cheerful givers is 
giving up your time, giving up your home, giving up the things that God's given you. And I think that's important to do that. And people know whether you're cheerfully giving and sharing yourself or you're, you know, hoarding yourself, you know, people come over and I remember some of the kids like, oh, my parents would never want us there. We, they don't want us there. We, they would want us around. They would want to, you know, if I could bring five friends over, they'd be like, oh, we have to feed them and stuff like that. You know, it's like, we never feel that way at you guys. I'm like, yeah, well, that's, that's it's something we try to do. So there was a great deal of intentionality in, in everything yeah. that you did with this. I, I, I just had the uh, grandparents day today at the kids of our youngest grandchildren. So we went over to see the two boys today in, in their classroom. And of course, we're there. Grandparents are all there. But there's a little number of kids that don't have any grandparents there. Mm-hmm. And so because in our situation with uh, our grandchildren, there's three grandparents, usually four, but my wife was sick today. But there was usually three or four of us that are there. So here's three of us sitting with one grandchild. And right at the same table is is a child who doesn't have a grandparent. So I scooted over and said, hey, can I be your papa today, uh, your grandfather? And she says, oh, yes, yes, yes. And as we got to talking, one of the saddest things that I could imagine happened, She, I said, so tell me, where do your grandparents live? Oh, they just live across town. Yeah. I said, oh, I'm sorry that they weren't able to come today. Oh, they never do. They don't want anything to do with me. You know, I, I, I don't even want to be around my grandparents, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And as we were getting ready to leave, she said, you know, I wish you were my grandpa. You know, I, I wish you would be my grandpa. And I'm thinking, how many kids like that are out there just wanting an older adult to be a part of their life who loves them and cares about them and mm-hmm. and does what you guys have done intentionally? And it, Yes, it's it's going to be hard, isn't it, for most people to begin building that kind of relationship, but it's not impossible. Even if your kids are teenagers or older now, you can still do it. Mm-hmm. No, you know, we had a young lady, she was a teenager, who um, we have um, a campground, and she came, she would come every once in a while to visit, and one day she saw us at the table, sitting, praying, talking, she came in the kitchen, She's crying, and I mean, bawling. And I'm like, oh, Emma, what is wrong? What? And she said, I, my family is such a mess, and I don't realize what I, I'm missing until I'm with your family. It's just flooding me how much I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we can turn this around because she loved the Lord. Her mother was not following the Lord. Her father was. I said, but now you know what you're missing. You you see it. You see what God's family and what you can have. Mm-hmm. And so instead of taking this into tears of what you don't have now, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. And he's putting a desire in your heart for what your future is going to look like and how it can be shaped differently. So for these kids who don't have a grandpa sitting across from them during Grandfather's Day, you're planting a seed of like, wait a minute, but he sat with me. You know, they they pray with me and you're starting to develop in these younger generations. Okay, it's missing in our society, in our homes, but God will give me a vision for how I want to change that because we often don't know what's out there until we experience it. And in that pain, we can move forward and and go forth. And I think these um, just before our friend went off to school, there was three young ladies who have had fathers either in jail 
or passed away. Mm-hmm. And they said to us that you two have been more of our parents than our own parents have been. And they have that consideration. And yet they turned around. The one girl said, hey, my mom said to tell you we're having a family day because they're learning. Like, this is how this family does it. Her family didn't know how to do it. So the mom's like, we're going to have a family day. Make sure you tell Brenda and Jerry we're we're going to do that. So you can start seeing how you can these small ripples can affect generations to come. Mm-hmm. We also have a neighbor who her grandchildren live very far away. My kids grew up calling her Graham. Graham, because they didn't have a grandmother. Both of our mothers were deceased. And we only had my dad who was 90. And I had to laugh because last night, Jerry's trying to teach her how to do a voice text to Lauren because Lauren had sent her pictures of her nursing. And this woman was a nurse and kind of inspired Lauren to be a nurse. So she's not our biological grandmother, but she needed Lauren to be her biological granddaughter. She's so proud of her New Hampshire grandkids. And so it goes both ways. It really, it really does. It's it's quite amazing. So those small gestures really do add up. They do. I I, I think we forget that just how much of an impact it can have. I, I I remember sometime when we would go to visit uh my in-laws uh, when they were still alive. And I, and I remember uh, uh, my, my wife's father, he was always one of those guys that always took an interest in all the kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And I, I remember being at their house, we'd always get to their house somewhere and then there'd be a knock on the door and it'd be one of the, one of the young kids in the neighborhood say, can Richard come out and play? <laughs> you know, yeah. And it, and you know, it's just, he didn't do anything really big and major in terms of, uh, you know, big things and events. He just was available mm-hmm. just to, to say, Hey, you're important. I want you to know how important you are. And because of that, they were drawn just to, mm-hmm. to him, you know, and, and he'd go out and he'd do crazy things with them in the yard, but, but he, didn't have to do anything really complicated. It was pretty simple. And so many of us, I think, perhaps many listening to this podcast may be thinking, well, I can't do what Jerry and Brenda did. Well, maybe you can't, but there's something you can do. Like this family you were describing, Brenda, who said, oh, well, maybe we need to have a family day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great book, Calvin. I know some people are book people and like, well, how do you do this? I wish I could read about it. It's called Everyday Confetti, Your Year-Round Guide to Celebrating Holiday Special Occasions. And it's written by Glennis Whiteware and Karen Ellum. And it's all about how to make your home into a special place, special events. They give all these ways, 200 of them, um, you know, what they call it, making your home into a center for evangelism and reaching out to people. And so there's some great ideas for that. Um, hmm. If people are looking for ideas or looking for Okay, can I get some specifics on how to do this? Well, there's a book I'm telling you how to do it. I think, I mean, what you said, Kevin, is so important of you just have to be available. Like I can tell you probably a handful. I have wonderful parents, but I could tell you a handful of adults growing up that just were available for me and really impacted me. Um, And I think that it's so 
rare, unfortunately, for people to have just available adults in their lives that want to hear how they are and want to walk alongside them in life. It's unfortunately very rare, especially, I mean, even in the family, in the home. Um, so I think that you kind of hit it on the head there of like, we can, I think that, you know, Jerry and Brenda are very gifted and going above and beyond that and are able to, you know, provide, like you said, you know, the favorite mac and cheese and like those things feel so good to be known and to be seen. Um, but just to have someone ask how your day is going or how your school year is going. I mean, those things just don't happen as often as we think that they do. So I think that's, I really do think that's crucial. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just um, being intentional again, like intentional grandparenting. It's having that intentionality, whether it's a small text, a phone call, a card, or an invitation for the, you know, nine-year-old little girl next door who lost her father. Hey, do you want to bake cookies? Just something simple. Or, you know, having the neighbor kid mow your yard instead of a professional company or do it yourself because you have value in what they're trying to do. And when they're there, you tip them generously. You have a quick extra conversation. You see it as an opportunity to grow more than grass, you know? Um, So it's that intentionality, I think, that really uh, matters. Yeah. And I like what you said, Sarah. You know, you really are. You can be a companion. You can bring people along the path and walk along with them. And it's hard. You know, it is break us out of our mindset because sometimes we can get so focused in to be, you know, oriented toward goals and I'm doing this for me and I'm going to push this for myself. And a lot of the stuff, when you do this, you might not see results. You may never see results except heavenly results. But, you you know, I want to encourage people to stay at it. You might not, you know, instantly see like, oh, I'm hosting a student or I'm having people in my house and they're not instantly coming to Christ in the first two days or instantly doing this. You don't know what the impact. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the impact I've had for and Brenda, I've seen it's mm-hmm. stuff you'd see weeks, months, years later, and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. I love too what you said, Brenda. I mean, the example of mowing the lawn, like that's just an everyday thing that we're doing anyway. So why not take the step of being intentional with something you're already doing? I mean, people don't have to go super far out of their way to make an impact with this idea of evangelism. Mm-hmm. It's a simple walking our elderly neighbors to. Uh, picking up their mail for them because it's difficult for them to get out and uh, spreading that sunshine there or asking your kids to come along while you're doing that. And, you know, it really becomes a lifestyle evangelism in the small things and just prayerfully opening our eyes to opportunities. Because I think when we go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me this week, one thing this week that I can do that is going to make a difference in someone's life intergenerationally. Um, you know, that's great. You know, uh, it's, I had a neighbor whose pastor several years ago said, uh, giving Saturday, well, she picked Saturday on a Saturday to pick one day a week, you're going to start doing something for someone small. I cannot believe the growth I've seen in her. And even today I saw her delivering tons of banana breads around the neighborhood because God has just grown her heart from a place of just kind of being self-centered to that one act of giving just kept snowballing. And we're all amazed in how different her glow in the Lord is just, just is 
so warm now. It's it's quite mm-hmm. astonishing. So. She's what seventy one years She's old. She's seventy one years old and yeah. had a lot of heartbreaks in her life. But um, people are saying, "Wow, Linda has changed. She's really changed." And we are all blessed by you know what she's doing and her encouragement to all of us to continue to look for ways to bless others. Mm-hmm. And I think so, one of the things that you've been sharing about hospitality that's so key is. Hospitality is not just doing that which is comfortable for you and convenient, is it? It's not doing it just with the people that we are comfortable being around, but it's really saying I got to step out of side. Real hospitality is stepping outside of my comfort zone and saying, who are the people outside of my little world that I can touch? Whatever their age, whatever their circumstances who are those people that God wants me to touch? And that's kind of what you guys have done. Jerry, Brenda, any final words of uh, challenge and, or encouragement you would like to give to any of our listeners? Just one step at a time. I think it's one um, act of kindness. It's uh, going before the Lord prayerfully, just opening your eyes to where God is going to want you to minister and you will be surprised over time how it comes back to you in so many ways. When you open your heart and your home in small gestures, it, it becomes a place of great warmth. Even after the kids are gone, there's, there's music still being played in your house by others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing is, too, is that sometimes those opportunities that the Lord brings, they're not always the most convenient mm-hmm. and most opportune and things that uh, you also grow through these you know processes too and that's that's another thing too he's refining us and bringing us along too it's not just all about the other other people that you bring into your home so that's another great thing amen well sarah that was some good stuff uh gives us all a lot to think about Mm -hmm. really doesn't it and the thing is i've i kind of realized this isn't rocket science Mm -hmm. that they've been talking about uh, where we can do the right thing and make a difference generation to generation but the challenge is kind of, you know, to think the pr- about the primary reason we might want to reach out to another generation through hospitality, not just for our own good that look, we can say, this is what I'm doing, but really how we can have make them um, feel welcome and loved. And should not that be the motivating factor yeah. in this whole thing? No, yeah, you're so, you're super right, Kevin. Um, Although it does feel good to be wanted and needed by others, uh, we're called as believers to be hospitable. Um, and like you said, it's not rocket science. <laughs> it doesn't have to take a lot. Um, take the story of Mary and Martha, for example. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, Jesus didn't want tons of food and drinks and entertainment. He just wanted to be with them. Ah. Um, and we just need to create a space for God to work through us in our homes. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Jerry and Brenda have chosen to be an instrument of God to bless others through hospitality. So. How might God use you to make an impact in those right in your own backyard? If you'd like to know more about what Jerry and Brenda have been doing, I urge you to reach out through their website at www.familybuilders.net. You'll find phone and email contact information there as well. Well, Sarah, this has given me a lot to think about. I pray this will spur many of us to have the courage to step out and be an instrument of blessing and encouragement to those around us. Yeah, this is giving me a lot to think about as well. And 
Uh, we'll have more inspiring thoughts from others who, like Jerry and Brenda, are putting into practice what it means to cultivate intergenerational relationships that truly matter. Hmm. Until next time, I'm Sarah Greenstreet. And I'm Kevin Harper, challenging you to intentionally and faithfully commend the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God bless. God bless. God bless.